0: Welcome to the Brattlecast, a first-hand look at second-hand books and so much more. I'm Jordan Rich, and I'm here with my good friend, Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the famous Brattle bookstore in Boston on West Street. Ken, one of the things that we talk about, and we've given specific examples, are appraisals and some of the work you do as an appraiser, but we thought we'd devote another episode to the whole concept and how people's impressions of appraising might be a little different. So... What do you have for us?
1: Yeah, uh, We get lots of calls at the store and people say, I need my books appraised. I want this appraised. And it sounds simple uh, as to what they're talking about, but it really isn't in many cases. Usually our first or our series of first questions is why? Why do you want these appraised? And, And although that sounds like a very quick response, it's, a lot of people, when they call up and they want things appraised, they just want to get an idea. They just want to sense, do these have value? Don't they have value? Uh, if you just verbally tell them what it is, they're more than happy. Uh, is I've done Antiques Roadshow for 20 years. And basically, that's what the people, when they come into that show, they're not getting detailed, written appraisals. Uh, they're getting an idea or a concept of what the value is. And many people who, uh, when I've done radio shows with you or Dan Ray or going back years with David Brodnoy, people would call in for an appraisal. Most of the time I can do it and say, well, this is worth about $10 or this is probably in the $1,000 range. And most times that's what's pe- what people are looking for. They just want to get a sense. Or is it something that if I give these away to the local library or to a charity, uh, they want to make sure they're not giving away their uh, children's college education. <laughs> so they, they're looking for a sense of it. And that's most of the time what, what we're doing.
0: I'd but- like to to have you explain uh, briefly what it takes to be a professional appraiser, because you make it look so easy on a radio show. Ah, that's probably worth about $15 or that's $200 but the amount of knowledge and experience must be pretty immense. So just give us an overview.
1: Well, in my case, I grew up with it. I -hmm. mean, my parents bought the store a year later. I was born uh, all my life, I've been doing this. And so it sort of comes by osmosis. It just sort of sunk in. I've been working full-time at the store, not counting when I was in elementary and junior high school and high school, but full-time after college for over 40 years. So a lot of that is just knowledge, experience, coming across, uh, seeing things. uh, And then quite honestly, you don't have to know everything. But sometimes when someone comes comes to me with a book that I don't know what it's worth, that can actually be more fun because there are sources where I know to look it up or even better, I get on the phone, I call up a colleague who I know has a specialty in that area and I can get an idea. So there's no way that you're ever going to know everything there is to know. But so that's that's one of the things. And and I'm constantly learning and getting more in and taking more in. And actually, like I say, the fun part sometimes is when you learn something new. Now, if you're doing probably the most difficult appraisals, are things that people might contest, uh, the internal revenue. Mm. is really mm. strict about their appraisals. Right, right. And in order in order to do appraisals for them, in most cases, you have to pass courses on appraising societies. You have to uh, not only say what you think it's worth, but you have to justify what you think something's worth. Uh, many times, if it's expensive, you have to take pictures. You have to document other things that are the same or very close to the same. Um, and uh, give what those prices are, when they sold. Um, And that's one of the reasons we ask, why do you need it appraised? If you say, well, I just wanna get an idea, well, then I can verbally just say, oh, well, it's around this or that, and 90% of the time that works. If they say it's for an estate, or we're giving something away and we're taking a tax deduction, and it's gonna be uh, something the IRS is gonna review, then, first of all, I know it might be reviewed. And second of all, they have all these requirements. Now, if it's something that's only worth a few hundred dollars or even a few thousand, they're not that strict. I mean, they, they want something written formal, but it doesn't have to be that detailed. But when you start getting up into appraisals that are worth 50, 60, 100,000 dollars, every single one of those goes in front of a, uh, an IRS uh, board that has appraisers on it that they double-check and recheck, and and then we'll get back to you. Now, one of the things that they've done that makes a lot of people hesitant to do IRS appraisals is if your appraisal is really off, I mean, really not even close, not only does the person who filed the tax return liable, but they will also find the appraiser. Uh, in other words, if I say something's worth $100 for estate purposes, but it's actually worth $100,000, not only do the people who you're appraising for have to pay taxes, but then the IRS huh. will fine you for an improper appraisal. And uh, so those... Those are a lot more involved, a lot more complicated, a lot more detailed.
0: You're also, I would assume, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're also looking out for those institutions that might want to purchase something, correct? In other words, if I'm a library and I I want to purchase a collection, I'm not sure whether or not it's worth what the uh, owner is asking. Are you stepping in to help that institution?
1: Well, many times uh, you step in with the institution. Uh, There are a lot of um, institutions that I worked with many times And I do a lot of this for free because, again, a lot of times they're looking for just getting an idea. They're getting they they're not necessarily um, looking for a detailed every item, but they might call me up or they'll send me an email with a list and they say, is this worth five thousand dollars or is this worth fifty thousand dollars or somebody says they think this is what do you think? And in most cases, I'm more than happy if it's an institution or a library that I think is in great public uh, service, that I can give them a quick verbal. If they say they need it written, informal, then it gets more complicated if I have to write it down. But a, a lot of that, again, you see things that you're never going to see. Insurance appraisals, that's another thing that uh, many times people... Uh, want to say, we need an appraisal because we want to insure this. My first uh, answer to that is call your agent first, find out what they need. If you, what you want to do on an insurance appraisal is talk to your insurance company first and say, if I have a loss, if something happens to these, in my case, books or autographs, what do you need so that I, that we can make it easy For the claims adjuster to say, yes, we'll pay this claim. So, a lot of that, if you think of it in that perspective, uh, a lot of times it makes the appraisals go a lot quicker, simpler, easier. Another thing that comes up a lot is other book dealers or antique dealers, or there are a lot of, there's a whole business now of people who are move managers. An elderly couple, a person is moving out of a house, they're older. They need help moving. And these people, they'll hire them to help them pack, go through things, downsize. Because many times, everything's very emotional. Mm. You know, how do you give up your library that you've collected over the years? Or how do you give up this item that maybe uncle so-and-so gave to you? And these people help. And what I do for a lot of them is I say, send me pictures of the bookshelves, digital pictures just to the shelf by shelf. And I'll look at those pictures and say, you know, don't worry about this. Whatever it goes, whoever takes it, if the family wants it, uh, don't be worried about it. Or I'll look at it and say, the third book from the right on the bottom, we better double check that one. Uh, I had one time, and this is something that happens in a lot of families, is when items are being distributed or by the heirs or the the family, the children, whatever, they just want to make sure that it's equitable. In other words, that someone doesn't take one item that might be worth 20 or 30 times everything else combined. So they just want to get a sense of it. I one time had, uh, this was in Rhode Island, I had a a man call me up and he wanted to pay for an appraisal. Um, The books were good books. I mean, very good books. It was a fairly wealthy family. And I went down and I, again, he didn't need it written, per se. He said he just wanted to know. And as I got talking to him, I said, well, gee, you know, you're doing, he said, I said, what's the real purpose of this? He said, oh, well, we're going to split the estate very soon, myself and my twin brother. (laughs) And he says, I want to know which ones to pick. So I get the best one.
0: Was it Jeremy Irons by any
1: chance? <laughs> no, it wasn't Jeremy Irons. But, you know, I'm saying to myself, boy, what a relationship these two twin brothers must have. Wow. If one of them is specifically calling me in and paying me so he can get an advantage over his brother. So, so you see that once in a while. Um, also, too, uh, many times I get called in by libraries, uh, especially town and local libraries, and they, they're, they're redoing their space. Um, a lot of them are, you know, 50, 100, 200-year-old libraries that have had things up in the attic for years and years and years. Maybe they're building a new building. Maybe they're converting space to a new children's room or a uh, community room or maybe to a computer area and they need the space. Well, these things have been sitting there forever. And they just want to know are they valuable? Should we be selling them? If we're going to be selling them, they have to get back to their board of trustees. And they want to, again, get an idea of what it is. So a lot of times the first question is, why do you need these appraised? Uh, why, Why do you need this all done? Many librarians or people or lawyers who are in charge of estates, they want it done just so that, they, that nobody ever criticizes them after the fact. And every once in a while, we get called in uh, by other appraisers. Just recently, we had a woman uh, call us who we help every once in a while. And she said, in this big estate, there were about 3,000 books on concology or shells. There were 3,000 books on shells. And some of them dated back into the 16 and 1700s. Mm-hmm. And she just wanted to know, are they valuable or not? Turns out they were very valuable. Uh, we're st- it's still in the process. We don't know what's going to happen to it. Part of it might end up at auction. Part of it might end up with us. We're still working on it. But one of the fun things that I've had over the years is... So we get called on appraisals, I get to talk to people, uh, help them out. And we're always encouraging that because I figure I'll give out as much free information as possible because people keep thinking of us. When I do lectures at libraries and historical societies, uh, I always try to do appraisals at the end because that's why people come. They wanna know what they have. Do they have that rare find that they didn't know anything about but again, that's the verbal, but I'll I'll give a couple of cases where I've been called in by museums or libraries. And these aren't things necessarily that I've ever gotten to buy, that I've ever gotten, but the thrill of what they are. I got called in once by uh, a famous museum in uh, the Boston area. And they said, could you do this appraisal for us? We're loaning it to another institution uh, we just want to know for insurance wise, because we need to insure it when it leaves our property and goes to the other. And I said, I'll do it for free. I love the the library. I said, but I don't want to do it from your website. I don't want to do it from a copy. I want to actually have the item in front of me, and to be able to touch it. It was a four page handwritten account of Paul Revere's ride by Paul Revere. Mm. Wow. So I'm sitting there holding an account that Paul Revere wrote out about a week after the ride and describing what happened, how it went, what but you're touching something like that. And it's like, this is amazing. Uh, actually I uh it it's been loaned a few times. It's at the a wonderful historical collection at the Massachusetts Historical Society is who owns it. <laughs> just being able to hold. I mean, I deal with this type of material. I won't say every day, but I have dealt with it all my life. But when you get these special items, you touch them. Another time my manager and I got called and we weren't told what we were coming to look for, but they asked us if we'd come in. And um, it was, at a, again, at an archive and they had us come down in the basement and there was just one of these big folding tables And on the folding table were a few old documents. We look at the documents. One is the Pilgrim Charter, (laughs) the original charter from the king for the pilgrims to have their land in the New World. The next one was the Bill of Rights, an original copy of the original Bill of Rights. And then the next one was a printed copy of the Declaration of Independence. Now it was a year later, it wasn't the very first, but it was an interesting copy because it's the first one that ever printed the names of the signers. Originally, if you had your name other than John Hancock on that thing, I mean, you were committing treason. If if they had lost the Revolutionary War, a lot of those signers might have lost their lives. So this was a copy printed in Baltimore by a woman printer and it was the first time they actually put the names on but what made this incredibly special in ink written across the bottom of it it said this is a true and authentic copy signed john hancock <laughs> So what what this was was Very there's nice. a wonderful museum over near the Kennedy Library in Boston it's the State Archives Museum mm-hmm and um, they were just looking to set up that museum, and a few of these items had to go out for repair, and they wanted to get an idea of the value so that when they were on the road going up to the restorer, uh, they would have some idea. Uh, Quite honestly, I heard that when they sent them up to North Andover where they were being restored, they had a police escort of the documents, and they shut down Route 93, exit by exit, because they didn't want any other vehicles near their transportation, just in case they didn't want an accident. Now all of those can be seen at the museum, at the State Archives over by the Kennedy. But I got to... I don't know if they saw me do it, but I put my little pinky (laughs) finger on each one.
0: My takeaway from all this and the subject of this podcast was the appraisal, but there's so much more to the story. And for you personally, it is so edifying and so exciting, not every day, but many days. And I think that's what people should keep in mind. This is cool stuff. And people may have some cool stuff in their attics or basements right now as we speak.
1: Well, in a lot of that nowadays, quite honestly, most people who are asking us, line them up on a shelf, take a digital picture of the shelf. It's quick, it's easier. it's easier than listing. We get them, we always respond very quickly by phone. And I will say one thing, that 90% of the times when people send me emails, I like phones, uh, numbers, and calling and talking to the people. First of all, I can find a little more about it, but I also like to do it verbally rather than me writing something down. Uh, just a personal preference Mm. of mine. But we do this all day, and maybe 9 out of 10 that we do really aren't anything special, but that 10th one comes in. And uh, for whatever reason, they're just so fun to even be able to relate and say, gee, I saw this, I, I got this, or I got to touch it, or I got to deal with it in some way. So appraisals can be very simple from quick verbal to very detailed, complicated, unfortunately, sometimes expensive, written down. But I always tell people, call first, because the written appraisals, many times they think they need them. They think they need them all done out one by one. Almost all the cases, you don't need that. And what we always do is we'll look evaluate, verbally tell people what we think, and there's never any charge until we say, okay, if we write this down, this is what it's gonna be appraised for, and this is what we're gonna charge. So nobody has to worry about a surprise bill.
0: That's a great deal. And let me just remind people that if you have questions like the kind Ken is mentioning, or if you uh, have topics you'd like to recommend for the podcast, visit brattlebookshop.com. You can email Ken directly through that site. And of course, we really appreciate people downloading and subscribing and uh, even rating and reviewing the podcast. I learned a lot and uh, I want to touch the man who touched the Declaration of Independence. So (laughs) soon we will shake hands, my friend, on that note. Thank you so much, Ken.
1: Thank you.